Cyrus West Field History Stories Collection. Cyrus W. Field was born in Massachusetts in 1819. His grandfather was a revolutionary soldier. Sarah's school in his native town of Stockbridge and at 15 was given a place in a New York store at $50 a year. Before he was 21, he went into business for himself. At the end of a dozen years, he was the head of a prosperous firm. In 1853, he retired from active business. Field became interested in a man who was joining Newfoundland with the mainland by means of a telegraph line. Why not make a telegraph line to span the Atlantic, thought Field. He went to work and put his schemes before Peter Cooper and other generous men. They believed in them. Field next went abroad and laid his plan before a number of Englishmen. He pleaded so eloquently that they too were convinced. He returned to America to lay the matter before Congress and asked that body to vote him a sum of money. Congress was very slow about it, and the bill did not pass until the last days of that session. President Pierce signed it the last day of his term as president. Field returned to England and watched over the making of his cable. In August 1857, everything was ready. The cable lay cold on shipboard, ready to be let out in the Atlantic. The great ship started, and everything went well till 335 miles of the cable had been let out when it broke in two. It was the same as losing half a million dollars. Field went back to England and began promptly to prepare for a second trial. He then came to America and made arrangements to use the Niagara, a large vessel. The British ship Agamemnon was also taken to help in this second trial. The ships started in mid-ocean, one going one way and one going the other way. This time only 111 miles were laid when the cable again parted. Field hastened to London to meet the men who had backed him in his undertaking with their money. It was a council of war after a terrible defeat. But Mr. Field did not believe in surrender even to the sea. On the 17th of July, 1858, the ships again set sail for mid-ocean. They spliced to the cable, and the Niagara, with Mr. Field on board, sailed away for Newfoundland. The British ship went the other way. This time, they were successful. Both countries were excited. Queen Victoria flashed a message under the sea to President Buchanan. Great was the rejoicing in New York, the home of Mr. Field. A religious service expressive of the deep interest of the people in the success of his work was held in Trinity Church, at which two hundred clergymen in gowns appeared. National salutes were fared. A great procession was formed. An address was made by the mayor of the city, and at a very late hour a grand banquet was held. While the banquet was going on, the cable gave its last throb and parted. The very day that a whole city rose up to do honor to the Atlantic Telegraph and its author, it gave its last splash and then went to sleep forever in its ocean grave. 
after five years of slow and toilsome work caused by the fact that the Civil War was raging in the United States, Cyrus W. Field was again ready. When the vessel bearing the cable was within 600 miles of land, the cable broke again. An Anglo-American Telegraph Company was now formed. The Final Success Anglo-American Telegraph Company was now formed. Mr. Field subscribed $50,000, Daniel Gooch $100,000, and another person promised to bury part of the expense. On a Friday they set out, and on another Friday they reached America with the cable safely laid. Mr. Field sent this message to England. Hearts content. July 27, 1866. We arrived here at 9 o'clock this morning. All well. Thank God. The cable is laid and is in perfect working order. The success of this undertaking, after so many years of failure, produced a great effect throughout the civilized world. Mr. Field was the center of all rejoicing. Congress voted him a gold medal. England did honor to his name. The Paris Exposition of 1867 gave him the highest medal it had to bestow. From Italy he received a decoration. States and chambers of commerce in all parts of the nation passed resolutions in praise of his great work. Finally he took a trip around the world and received honors from many nations. Mr. Field lived in Terrytown, New York. He died in New York City in 1892 at the age of 73.